Welcome back to Finding Water, our podcast with digital transformation champions. These are IT leaders and experts who have successfully led a digital transformation. And I'm your host, Lisa Wolf. And today we welcome Sean Hughes, AI Ecosystem Director of ServiceNow and an AI expert. And today, Sean is going to go beyond the generative AI hype and talk about how generative AI will transform industries and the enterprise in general. And I'll also talk about the governance required to ensure that generative AI is implemented with the guardrails that any enterprise would require. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Lisa. It's really great to be here. Yeah, before we get started, I just wanted to say that artificial intelligence is one of my passions. You know, I've worked alongside the research and developer community for a while now and bringing AI-powered technology to market's really been a privilege for me. So I'm super excited for today's chat. Yeah, if we look at Gentive AI, it's just turned the entire technology industry inside out and upside down. It's having a huge impact on the way the world works. We've seen that ChatGPTC, sorry, ChatGPT seems to have captured the world's imagination like the iPhone did back in 2007. But while it's got this huge potential to literally put the afterburners on digital transformation, it poses serious risks and threats if it's left without the right size governance and regulations. Yeah, so Sean, in my conversations with CIOs and IT leaders who are responsible for digital transformation, we've talked about how ServiceNow's AI has been instrumental in digital transformation and how organizations have been using it, uh, ServiceNow's virtual agent for their employees so their employees don't have to interact with a human agent. Also using ServiceNow's predictive AI ops to predict IT issues before they impact business. So it's very exciting to talk to you about the transformative nature that generative AI will bring to ServiceNow's clients. But let's start off with a basic question. How do you define generative AI at a high level? Up until recently, we used to speak about AI in terms of specialized domains like computer vision, machine learning, and natural language processing. With generative AI, though, we now have models that are trained on massive amounts of diverse data across a really wide range of tasks and domains. And these models exhibit much more generalized capabilities, along with unprecedented levels of what we call task versatility and this ability to engage in multi-term interactions. So these generative AI models are much more versatile and capable than ever before. But surprisingly, they actually complement rather than replace the specialized AI models, which are usually more superior in their respective domains. Well, it all sounds amazing. And we've all been hearing about it now for months. But what's the catch? Ah, well, it's truly amazing. But as they say, with great power comes great responsibility. So without the right controls, these models can be too verbose. Uh, they can generate responses that seem valid, but the output may not actually be grounded in reality or factually correct. So the industry refers to these outputs as hallucinations. So tell me more. What is this? What, what are hallucinations or what does it mean to get the output wrong? Expand on that. Well, hallucinations can be caused by users putting in ambiguous inputs, irrelevant answers in the training data. Uh, there may be biases in the data or the model may simply be trying too hard to please the user. So for companies, the most important thing that we need to look at for any model is that they need to be safe, compliant, and value aligned. Well, what can you tell us about the risk and the limitations? You know, we, we hear as much about its potential and possibility as we hear about the risk. What can, t- what can you tell us there? 
Uh, just like humans, they've got the potential to make mistakes. One of the biggest risks to enterprises will likely be leaky AI. Uh, in this case, with, with you know, narrow or non-generative AI, you could rely on hard permissions, like the access controls we would typically place on specific rows and columns of the database. But as AI systems continue to evolve and become more complex, it's going to be increasingly important to add more advanced techniques like differential privacy or federated learning. So we must ensure that these systems can use and learn from data without compromising privacy or security. Now, I know you're probably wondering, what is differential privacy and federated learning? So let me just dig into a little bit. You can think of differential privacy as like adding a secret ingredient to your favorite recipe so that no one can guess what the recipe is actually made up of just from tasting the dish. And federated learning is like learning in a group where everyone shares only their final answers for a problem, but not how they got there. So both these ways help keep our information safer when computers are learning from it. So let's, let's talk about um, industry use cases. So what are some of the next generation industry-wide use cases that generative AI gives us that um, narrow AI or AI of the past couldn't give us? We've had a few interesting examples recently. Uh, in the healthcare example, for example, we have Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, they're apparently looking at using generative AI to analyze radiology images and helping triage patients. Their chief innovation officer, uh, who goes by Dr. John Brownstein, apparently he said it didn't take him long to realize the technology's potential, especially in places where there's a risk of physician burnout or repetitive administrative tasks. And then, you know, if we look at uh, considering the potential for AI to pass the Turing test, which is essentially a test to see whether AI can use language well enough to pass for a human. Facebook or Meta's research group, they developed an AI agent, which is kind of like a bot. Uh, they named it Cicero. Cicero ranked in the top 10% of gamers and outplayed 82 humans in this game called Diplomacy. And so diplomacy is this anonymous strategy and negotiating game. And uh, the fact that it did so well is, is uh, pretty unreal. And when you consider the, the potential for this kind of AI to be used for social engineering, where it could be used to engage and influence activists in online chat rooms, it, uh, it's an area we have to watch out for and make sure that we have the right kind of use restrictions in place. Separately, you know, we've seen something in the education sector or a couple examples really. Um, Khan Academy, uh, for example, they believe that they can meaningfully improve both teaching and learning outcomes by helping personalize lessons and using Socratic dialogue to help kids who don't have access to kind of intellectual exploration. So you'd think that's all wonderful, but um, we, we also saw in the last couple of weeks stocks at a uh, California-based company that uh, provides homework helper type software. Uh, their company is called Chegg. They reported that students are turning to ChatGPT instead. And, you know, students appear to have found a better tutor. This led to a massive drop in their share price. I think it's around 50%. So we know AI is going to be, generative AI particularly, is going to be very disruptive. Um, probably more than what we saw when Uber took, the, took on the taxi industry back in 2010. So thank you for all the use cases across the industries. I want to dig more into potential risk here. So Jeffrey Hinton, he's widely known as the godfather of AI. He quit his job recently to 
tell the world about the dangers of generative AI. And um, I just want to get into this with you. I want to understand what you think about the danger of generative AI and will we be able to control it? In other words, are these neural network models now beyond us? I think transparency and explainability are going to be two big challenges for companies trying to sell AI solutions. As much as we're encouraging responsible development and training of generative AI, we really should be encouraging the responsible experimentation, adoption, and scale of generative AI across the enterprise. Even with the most robust guardrails that we build into the system, we're going to need to do more than usual. Uh, we're going to have to educate our users about both the risks and the benefits. And when it comes to digital transformation, this should follow the principles of, of what we call organization change management with a real strong transition and transformation program that's tuned to the company's internal and external environments. So what's ServiceNow doing specifically to ensure that generative AI for the enterprise will be, as you say, safe, compliant, and also value-aligned? This, this is important for us. You know, ServiceNow will bring the same level of safety and trust to any AI capability that we build on the Now platform. For example, by integrating moderation APIs within our generative AI controller, we're helping to reduce bias and inappropriate content from making its way into the enterprise base. Let me just double click on what I mean by moderation APIs. An example is, is if there's hateful or threatening speech, the moderation API will categorize it and enforce consistent rules and policies for how to handle this content. Filtering from output while also recording it for violating safety policy and requiring ex escalation. And this will really help to prevent certain voices or perspectives from being overrepresented. So continuing here with ServiceNow's approach, what is ServiceNow's approach to partnership when it comes to generative AI? ServiceNow has got an expanded partnership with Microsoft Azure OpenAI. This represents an important step in our mission to make work better for everyone. By integrating into the Now platform, customers can quickly add generative AI intelligence to a multitude of use cases with high security levels and a responsible approach. And you also see with the Big Code Project, which is an open scientific collaboration jointly led by ServiceNow and Hugging Face, we're working towards the responsible development and use of large language models for code, actively collaborating with the machine learning and open source communities. Today, we have more than 800 members across 65 countries. And last week, ServiceNow and Hugging Face announced the open access release of StarCoder, a large language model for code, on behalf of the Big Code community. What's really impressive is that StarCoder outperforms the OpenAI Pushman 01 model for code. And this really represents the power of community. So when it comes to things that generative AI can't do, um, for example, take empathy. Uh, there was a recent UCSD study where the participants said that they experienced a greater level of empathy and also quality in their answers from the generative AI agent than with the doctors who participated in that study. So yes, while it's just a machine, it's really the fact that humans perceived it to be empathetic. How do you think about this? Yeah, I think, you know, generative AI doesn't suffer from fatigue and changes in emotions that impact how humans might respond in the moment. You know, the assistance can be, the generative AI system specifically, can be trained on how to respond empathetically with high quality responses without the limitations that you would see as being inconsistent in humans. You know, even the best humans get tired and let their guard down when they're overwhelmed. So uh, uh, building on that, 
I want to know what you think about how you how generative AI may change our culture. And I think when social media was first rolled out across the world, people didn't realize the impact that it would have on cultures and on individual humans. And now all these studies have come out on social media that say that, you know, it hasn't been so great in lots of different cases, but this is after the fact, right? It's rolled out and now we're seeing some of the negative impacts. So generative AI will no doubt change cultures and it will also change the people using it. Are you thinking about the impact generative AI will have on changing us as humans? Yes. I mean, looking at this from a personal perspective, I think I predict that within the next five years, at least, we're going to start seeing people with personal digital assistants that are trained on all of their own private data. This is likely going to include training on the person's personality, their worldview, uh, their extensive social networks and people they know, their own writing style, their voice. So, you know, not only their, their spoken voice and how it sounds, but also, you know, tying back into the, the writing style again. And the visual appearance, location data, and even the way their bodies move. You know, if you think about uh, the metaverse and robotics. So these digital assistants are probably going to have access to all their personal and their work data that, you know, helps provide all the additional context for this, this digital assistant of theirs. And as I mentioned earlier, I think this is really going to change the way the world works. Your prediction reminds me very much of the prediction that Nikola Tesla made in 1926 about smartphones. And the only difference is that I think your prediction here is going to happen a lot sooner than smartphones happen when he predicted smartphones. Thank you so much, Sean, for sharing your insights, getting beyond the hype of generative AI. And it's our Finding Water tradition to ask for your favorite book. It doesn't have to have anything to do with AI. Um, so what book have you loved and what would you recommend to our listeners? Yeah, rather than a book, I, I actually propose that readers start to become more proficient at understanding generative AI. Uh, you can, for example, start to read the OpenAI technical report on GPT-4. I mean, like, you know, learn what exactly, you know, is ChatGPT and how it's powered. And then you could read something like the big code technical paper called StarCoder, may the source be with you. You know, this will provide two things. First, a better understanding of the capabilities, risks, and limitations of powerful models like ChatGPT. And then with the StarCoder paper, you're going to get unprecedented transparency and insight into how to responsibly develop and train a foundation model like StarCoder. As they say, knowledge is power, and it's going to be critical for any enterprise serious about adopting any form of generative AI. Great suggestion. Um, thank you again, Sean. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of Finding Water. Please join our next episode where Sean will join us once again to cover what ServiceNow is doing specifically with generative AI. So long for now. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much, Sean. 